0: All right, so welcome to the inaugural episode of the Membran Labs podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm here with Art. Um, We're going to talk about some stuff, a couple different things, and just kind of go back and forth, and uh, hopefully it's fun. So what's up first, Art?
1: Well, I was thinking we could talk about the market conditions currently. Uh, It's bearish, as uh, most crypto enthusiasts would know. Uh, Bitcoin tried to drop Below 6,000, made a big bounce, back to 6,800, back down to about 6,200 right now, but it seems that it doesn't want to dip below 6,000 approximately, which is good news.
0: Yeah, this has been a rough week, hey?
1: Definitely, definitely. Uh, People don't have a lot of faith, but that actually brings me into a topic about an interesting article I read, and it's named The Great Crypto Conspiracy. And essentially, have you ever seen the Western series on HBO called Deadwood by any chance? No, I haven't. Okay, so essentially, it's in the gold rush of, okay, a, okay. of the late 1800s. And so, pretty much, what happened in it was the fiction, uh, the wealthy miner, George, in it, he uh, swindled everyone out of their mining shares. So, um, And this is based on a little bit of truth because according to rumors at the time, uh, he used murder, intimidation, misinformation to force people to sell their claims. And so in a bid to buy in cheap, he spread rumors. He bought newspapers and he spread rumors that the government was going to come and seize all the land.
0: So he made it seem like it wasn't valuable.
1: Exactly. And so what he did was started these rumors and he got all these mining shares for pennies um so at the time he bought it for about 1.7 million and in it actually became the richest gold mine in history and so now in today's price it's actually worth 56.5 billion so uh, that's kind of the idea behind the current crypto market right now you have all these big banks um jp morgan ceo he's saying things like he's gonna fire any any of his employees that are gonna that buy crypto or trade crypto meanwhile they're trading it and buying it you know
0: so so you think that the the big players in the market are trying to drive the price down so that they can buy it up and then profit off it
1: and that's how it seems anyways
0: and and do you think that's happening for all the cryptocurrencies or just like bitcoin
1: well, the big one is Bitcoin, right? Like that's what provides all the liquidity yeah. for uh, most of these altcoins and whatnot. So, I mean, uh, that's the big one, right?
0: Yeah, fair enough. That's uh, that's actually really an interesting theory. That that gets into um, like a lot of interesting kind of moral and legal grounds when you start talking about large like entities trying to take over the blockchain in that way. And actually that's, that's like an attack vector that isn't really covered under the kind of concept of having like... Uh, like a 51% attack or anything like that, you know, you could take over the the whole market just by, um, like, basically propaganda, right? That's what it seems like. That's, that's a pretty crazy idea. I don't know. Do you think that it's, like, like possible that that's actually true? I think so. Yeah?
1: I mean, um, it has a lot of potential. And um, I feel like if people are saying, hey, it's not going anywhere, nothing's going to happen... Yet millions are being invested, you know, and it seems like maybe six thousand is kind of like this base point, kind of like its bottom price. It doesn't really want to dip below. Maybe that's where they where they have their sights set to just buy millions up, right? Which spikes the price, you know, gives it like an eight hundred dollar candle or something.
0: So you think that as soon as it hits uh, six thousand or under, that's going to be bought up in huge amounts?
1: Well, it has been for the past couple of weeks. Yeah. Anytime it yeah dips that's... below, just. Boom! Right up.
0: Have you been buying when it gets down to six thousand?
1: <laughs> a little bit. A little I mean, bit, yeah. I don't. I don't have much to buy with, but uh, you know, I'm trying to stack up the the Bitcoin and you know making trades and trying to stack it, and hopefully when the market turns around, I'll profit a bit.
0: What do you think about uh, some of the other ones right now? Like, like, do you think that like Ripple and EOS are affected as well?
1: Uh well, what do you mean, elaborate a bit? Like,
0: like, like, are they are they experiencing similar kind of drop and then buy? Or do you think it's purely as a result of, like, Bitcoin and Ethereum being pumped?
1: Uh, I mean, generally, like, everything follows Bitcoin, right? If Bitcoin drops, <laughs> Ripple drops.
0: So, so uh, I guess what I'm asking is, like, do you think that these banks care about the altcoins? Or do you think that they're only caring about Bitcoin?
1: I think that Bitcoin's the biggest. Bitcoin's the big one. Yeah.
0: Interesting. I actually I I really like that theory. That's that's an interesting take. Um so I think that we'll we'll probably link the article that you read on that. Sure. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, when we publish this.
1: Yeah, I got I got the link here.
0: Okay, what's next?
1: What's next? Let me take a look here. Uh, let's talk about some of the new coinbase listings. Or I guess not listings, but plan to be
0: listed. Yeah, okay. So what coins are we looking at? What currencies?
1: All right, so we have let me take a look here. So they well, I guess the official announcement is that they're exploring the addition of the following assets. Yeah. So they're just exploring it. There's no definitive answer whether they're going to get they're going to get added or not. Uh, but Cardano, basic attention token, Stellar, Zcash and 0x. Okay. Are the ones that exploring
0: I okay guess. and i think that they've had a pretty significant bump in value after that right
1: oh crazy crazy i mean uh at least 10 percent um some of the cheaper coins actually maybe took more of a 20 percent jump or so let's see here yeah i mean uh zero x looks like about about 30 32 percent bump there wow yeah, just just based on that announcement alone, um let's see Stellar took a uh, yeah, 12% bounce, which, you know, not as significant, but uh yeah, it's amazing. And it's it's, it's kind of nice to see in a bear market, I guess, but uh, uh
0: what do you what do you think about like um previously when this happened, CoinBase is always kind of quick to squash these rumors. Is this uh, is this more official?
1: well it's on their
0: official twitter yeah so this is a real coinbase kind of move here interesting
1: yeah Yeah, but it's 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 kind of weird that people are kind of eating up this news you know where where ethereum classic didn't get nearly as much of a pump as some of these other coins and ethereum classic is um it's for sure getting listed on coinbase whereas these are just just exploring you know what i mean
0: yeah no i see what you mean uh, what, what do you think about these different, like, what do you know about, like, Cardano?
1: You know, honestly, I don't know much about any of these altcoins. I haven't really looked into them too much. Uh, but you're familiar with basic attention token, aren't you? Yeah, it?
0: basic attention token, um, for people who aren't familiar, it, the idea is to uh, be some kind of a payment based on the amount of attention that someone's spending on a, a given resource. And it's, uh, it's developed by... Um, the same people who are doing Brave or it's associated with them in some way. But uh, I think that that actually has a lot of potential, um, allowing people to like, for example, you know, browse articles and things like that. And then the creators of the content would be compensated based upon how much attention people are spending on their content, which like to me seems like if it could, if it could work would be a really valuable model. Um, And then I don't know, how much do you know about like the, uh, the X protocol? That's uh, that's a pretty interesting one too. Um, so, the the idea with uh, the ZeroX protocol is it's for decentralized exchange of ERC twenty tokens, and probably eventually like ERC two two three tokens and seven twenty one as well. But um, mm-hmm. the it's- the idea is that uh, like Coinbase right now is a great example of an exchange that's very centralized. Right. Right. Like despite the decentralization of the network, because Coinbase controls so much of the transaction in and out kind of becomes a bit centralized right but um, because because it's possible to create smart contracts that can that can handle that kind of stuff um, decentralized exchange is theoretically possible and the Xerox project is working on that
1: really interesting
0: yeah no I, I actually uh, I think that they would probably be a legitimate candidate for like um, like an actually useful token uh, like, I'm sure that you know that I'm, I'm not a big fan of most of the tokens that come out. I'm kind of skeptical, but uh, I do like 0x and basic attention.
1: Cool, right on. Well, I mean, I guess uh, Coinbase might also see the value there, so...
0: Yeah, I'm sure they do. I'm sure that, that Coinbase probably uh, probably spends a lot of time considering this before they just, you know, pick things, right?
1: So uh, <clears throat> do you think that Pirate Bay might start mining Uh, some of these other tokens instead of Monero because it's, I know that they uh use um ad based scripts to use people's CPU power to mine Monero. Yeah, that's
0: that's interesting here that Pirate Bay has been caught doing that again. Um, they've been they've been caught doing that in the past as well. This isn't the first time. Um, so the 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 deal there is basically that the Pirate Bay, which is uh, a pretty famous uh torrent site. Um, they've been embedding scripts on their webpage to mine Monero on their users' computers. Um, it's a pretty scummy thing to do, I think, but yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I, although at the same time, I can kind of get it. like it the fact that they've sort of hidden it and they're not exposing it kind of bugs me. But you know for for how much time most people spend on that site, you know that actually could be an interesting way to cover costs.
1: Well, I mean, instead of the ads, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, I'd almost rather have my computer mine for the three minutes that I'm on a site rather than actually pay for ads. But the way that they've gone about it, I'm not happy about, you know, like kind of hiding it at the bottom in small print and sort of sneaking it into ads. Like,
1: Yeah, you know, like, it'd be nice if they were just a little more transparent about it. Just yeah, like, hey, you know, if you're using our services.
0: Or even if you could have, like, the option, say, of, uh, like, you can have the ads or you can say no to the ads and you can mine Monero for us. Right. I mean, that would actually be an interesting model. I, I kind of would be interested to explore that.
1: And I feel like people would be open to that, honestly. Yeah, be maybe. I, I
0: think that it, it would depend on the economics of it. Like, you'd have to make it clear that it's not going to be too expensive for users. Um, to, to mine? Yeah, because you're burning the user's electricity, right?
1: Well, I mean, how much can you really burn if someone's, like, you know, on their laptop, for example?
0: Yeah, well, I mean uh cpus are you know in the the tens hundred of watt kind of range they're not super super hungry for electricity but I, I could see it being a bit of an issue
1: i mean i wonder if maybe in the future they'll somehow relate um hey if you're able to mine this much this is the Speed that you can download at, you know what I mean? Like link it, link it to your download speed.
0: Yeah. Are you familiar with the uh, the seeding model that torrents work on?
1: Well, it's peer to peer.
0: Yeah, it's peer to peer, and the way most trackers uh, used to work. I'm not. I haven't been involved in any kind of torrenting in years because Netflix is just too easy. But right. um, The the way that the model works is basically the tracker. Uh, keeps an eye on on how much each user shares and how much they download and they say that you have to keep a good ratio so you have to share like at least as much or better than the amount that you download in order to be able to continue to use the tracker and if you don't share as much data as you download um, so that's called seeding sharing right, right, right. Um, then you're kicked off the tracker so only so the a big problem in in torrenting is, is people who leech so they they come onto the torrent and they only download, but they never upload. So they're just sucking resources from the network without contributing back to it.
1: Right, and it makes sense, but like, I know personally I've never run into that issue when I've been kicked off a tracker.
0: No, n- normally uh, the big public trackers don't do it because they have so much momentum it doesn't matter. Okay. But if you ever go onto like a demonoid or something like that, like a private tracker, they always have pretty strict rules about your seeding ratios and um, yeah. I can't even remember where I was going with this anymore. But uh, yeah, just kind of having like a model where where you could somehow give back to these networks. And actually, um, I don't know, are you familiar with the the protein folding programs that used to be really popular?
1: Protein folding?
0: Yeah, so uh, what they were was they were doing uh, research on, uh, on protein folding. So like, um, I don't understand the like biology behind it but basically they were using computers to try a whole bunch of com- combinations of like protein shapes wow. um for dna interesting and uh what they did is they had this program i think it was called folding at home and basically you would put it on your computer and it would just use like the little bit of extra resources that your computer has that's not you know like right now my computer's open and i'm looking at a web page but not doing anything mm-hmm. you know my cpu is running at like two percent right and that's a lot of, like, if you look at everyone's computer in the whole world, that's a lot of resources that could be used that aren't, right? Right, right. And um, most of the power that my computer is consuming is from, you know, the screen being on and keeping a hard drive spinning and, you know, keeping it, like, the, the amount that it would take to use, like, say, 10% of my CPU to do protein folding when I'm not working is uh, it's pretty insignificant to me. But to someone who's trying to do research, that could be huge, right? And if you think that everyone's got all these computers lying around that are basically doing nothing ninety percent of the time, that could be a resource that you could really you could use really effectively, right?
1: So I, I don't get what they're using this this these resources for like well, just, processing power. Yeah, processing power. Okay. Like just think of it as math calculations. All right? right. Gotcha. Yeah,
0: cool. which is something that you could actually apply to the blockchain, right? Like you could you could potentially be running light nodes on thousands of computers. Um, like anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. It could be actually really interesting for increasing the speed of some stuff, but and I mean peer-to-peer caching is an idea that that people might explore, um, but I don't I don't know how much uh, how much of an advantage those would be over the current system.
1: It's hard to say. Hard yeah. to say. It doesn't
0: seem like nodes are really the the bottleneck in the system right now, so
1: well scalability, right? Yeah, is a big thing.
0: But it's interesting to look at other solutions like. Um, for for similar problems, right? Because now we're dealing with like like things like IP IPFS, which is the uh, interplanetary file sharing or whatever,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, which is kind of the de facto way to share a dApp if you if you want it to kind of run forever, right? If you don't want to have to pay for a server, mm-hmm. but um, it, it's got its own issues. It's not really production ready either, um, and just kind of looking at how torrents have worked and how IPFS works is, is giving a lot of people, I think, kind of ideas of how to build the next generation of distributed file sharing that we could use for for dApps and other sorts of non-centralized information storage that actually is pretty exciting to me outside of just like the like Ethereum concept, but just like as a, as an interesting way to actually store, handle, and manage data. It's pretty fascinating. Definitely. All okay. right what what's next on the list
1: <laughs> No, it's just funny. I feel like uh we come on this podcast and like you're just like dropping so much knowledge you know, and I just like I learn lots you know tr- trying to put out knowledge, but I'm learning lots myself uh, i'm, I'm nice. just
0: I'm just a rambler
1: rambler intelligent rambler at that, but all right, what's our next topic <laughs> uh, I don't know um I kind of wanted to talk about um what's your stance on money in general? I mean, um, I, I recently talked to my friend who, uh, I guess, uh, he, he's fed up with the current state of the world and, uh, how it is. And he thinks that, um, everyone's feels that everyone bases each other's value off of possessions and, uh, financial status, you know, and, uh, he's moving somewhere where money is of little concern. And, um, I don't know, that kind of got me thinking, like, maybe he's on to something.
0: So where where is he moving?
1: I have no idea. He wouldn't tell me. He just, uh, he said he bought a truck and, like, because he sold his car and he bought a truck and he's using that truck to go wherever.
0: So he's going to, maybe he's going to go live in the woods or something?
1: That's what I'm thinking, man. <laughs> like, where else, where else could you go, right? Uh,
0: that's, that's interesting. Like, what was my opinion on money? Um, I was going to ask you later on about, uh, the book you're reading, but, um, I've been reading this book called uh, Debt, and it's by, is it by David Graven? I think so. I meant to look this up. But um, it kind of talks about a lot of that. David Graber. Yeah. Um, so the concept of the book is kind of that the... It talks about like the early development of money and things like that. And I've seen some criticisms of it. So like maybe it's not the most accurate or whatever. But it, it brings up a lot of interesting kind of thought-provoking like concepts. Um, and one of them is that uh, like he, his concept in the, in the early part of the book is that the idea of a barter system like never really happened. Um, you know, because you always hear people talking about money and saying... Like, oh, yeah, once upon a time, you know, we traded rocks for sticks and stuff like that. Right, right. And uh, his argument, at least in the early parts of the books, is that that never actually happened. Like, no one has any evidence for a legitimately used barter system in any society.
1: So no no trading was actually happening?
0: Well, trading would happen, but trading is, like, the primary form of exchange. Like, for example, you know, you go to the, the guy who makes bows and he gives you a bow for your cow. You know, like
1: yeah. So isn't that bartering then?
0: Well, so what I'm saying is that that's not. There's no real examples of societies that only did that. Okay. Right. So, the idea is that almost every society pretty quickly develops um, some kind of form of currency, and w- what that is might might differ. Right. Like one, one tribe might, for example, you know, decide to use furs or something like that as like a mode of, of trade. Right. Um, so it, it becomes less about like. You know trading furs for things as it is kind of like, oh, you can now keep a large number of furs and it makes it a lot easier for you to kind of manage your exchanges because if you're dealing with like I don't know things where they're not easily like tradable one for one, right? Like if you're someone who wants to trade like a hut, okay, if you don't have anything to like store value it's pretty hard to like gather up enough stuff to trade for a hut Okay, that makes do you, sense. Do you know what I mean? That makes sense. And like if you're a guy that like, say say, say you're like a blacksmith and you build like lots of tools and you're trying to buy a house. Right. Like the guy selling the house isn't going to want 200 axes. Right. Do you know what I mean? That like, makes sense. Like in what world would that make any sense? Like who would do that?
1: So in any society, the idea of currency like, pr- like came to fruition cu- pretty quickly
0: quick. develops, Right. And it, it makes sense, too, because if you have a currency that allows you to specialize, right? If, for example, you live in a society where you're not able to easily trade for things, you have to be pretty self-reliant, right? But if you, if you never specialize in anything, it's, it's hard to develop a society that's really good at anything. Because, like like I just said, blacksmithing, you know, someone who's like a part-time blacksmith, part-time farmer, part-time has to build their own houses and also, like, raise animals, is probably not going to be especially good at any of those things. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. And I mean, maybe they'll get by. You know, maybe they're a talented individual, but I don't think that it's reasonable to expect that everyone can develop all these skills to a high level. Whereas it'd be a pretty natural progression for you to say, oh, like Tyler, you're better at making axes than me. How about you make the axes and I'll raise the cows? Mm -hmm. And then it pretty quickly develops into some system of money. Right. right? Okay. That makes sense. And we're not just talking about currency, right? Like we talked about furs, like it could also be like, you know dried fish or like grain rice you know like whatever whatever it is um or i mean even just even just like an iou you know what i mean which pretty quickly turns into debt which turns into real money
1: right so um before money or or the the idea of legal tender yeah so you're there, thinking like fiat currency right there yeah. was gold right sure yeah sure so um does the book talk about anything about um, The gold standard. I'm not not too sure about the gold standard in Canada, but the gold standard in the U.S. I know that it was abolished at some point, and like you used to be able to take your fiat currency, go to the bank, and say, "Hey, I want to redeem this in gold coins." Yeah. And like now, all of a sudden, or not all of a sudden. I guess it was like 19 something. The gold standard was abolished. And does the book talk about that at all?
0: Um, Well, I'm only about 150 pages in, so I I'm I'm sure it brings it up at some point, but. Uh, For now, I haven't come to that point. But it is kind of interesting that you mention that, right? Because when you think about the gold standard, you're you're talking about a type of currency that the, the reason that works is because the government is giving a guarantee, right? Right. But the government's still giving a guarantee. It's just not a guarantee of exchange of value to commodity. Do you know what I mean?
1: Elaborate a bit on that.
0: Well, when you have a gold standard, the idea is that like you know every dollar that you have represents a unit of gold right right and that's that's the whole concept is that when you have a gold-backed currency that provides like stability but currencies nowadays are backed more by like national debt than anything yeah if that if that makes sense faith
1: in the in the currency as yeah well, right? and
0: if you just if you look at like the the gdp of like north america like how much gold would you need it would be ridiculous True. Like the amount, ima- like the physical mass of gold, like, it'd be crazy. There's no way it would work, right? Right. So th- there's like there's issues with both, and I'm not an economist, an economist, so I, I don't know enough about it. But my understanding is that the the there's practical and other reasons why we don't use gold anymore.
1: Right. Um. Yeah. No. I just find it really interesting because uh, I don't know. It feels like it's almost like, hey, like. I have this cash that I can redeem in gold, but like now I can't redeem it for anything. It's like just based on nothing, you know. I mean, but, you but could
0: you could buy gold with it.
1: I mean, I guess you could, but is it's not that, like,
0: Is that any different for you?
1: You know, it doesn't affect me personally, but uh, it is different, right? Like, I just mean.
0: That, like, no, like, I get it. I get why. It's, I get what you mean, but like, does it actually have any difference for like the the actual user of the currency? I guess I would have to find someone who's willing to sell gold. As, oh. a, as opposed to being able to just go to the government and say, "Give me a, my gold," right? But like,
1: I mean, I can't it, find any real use for gold for me unless I want to, like, you know, wear jewelry and look like Mr. T or whatever, and like, you know. But
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you, you're probably right. It's not the most uh, the most necessary for your day to day life. Although electronics do use a lot of gold, do they? Yeah, yeah, it's more important now for it's for good fine electronics, I guess yeah. I- yeah, it's a good conductor and doesn't corrode, right? It's important. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. What's our next topic? What do we have here?
1: I don't know. Uh, we can talk about the deep web, but I mean that's a that's a very broad topic.
0: Yeah, I don't know what to even start on there.
1: <laughs> I mean, uh, I've been just uh, I've been listening to a lot of um, people talk about their experiences on the deep web recently, and uh, it's kind of weird.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think I think that the, the concept of deep web is kind of misunderstood. Why is that? Well, when people say like the deep web or the dark web, um, I don't know, it's, if you have like a personal intranet that only you can access and there's like some weird port that you can open up, like. By most definitions, that would be part of the deep web. Do you know what I mean? Like stuff that's not indexed by Google and that's yeah. not.
1: But like, um, I'm just talking like this stuff that you know you don't want to see. I no, guess that's more. I, of the dark I know what web. you mean.
0: Uh, even even the word the dark web, like the dark web, really only means like stuff that's encrypted between things like like onion routing, like Tor. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, it it doesn't actually encompass anything that's actually, like, I don't know, I'll say, like, awful. Like, just just being part of, like, the deep web or the dark web doesn't make something bad. It doesn't. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're really just terms that kind of describe actual, like, technical qualities of a network. So, like, I don't know. Like, I'll give you an example. So, you know, if we're having, like, a conversation on Slack, and it's, it's you and I. Yeah that conversation won't be indexed by a search engine and it's not accessible to other people right so isn't that part of the deep web
1: (laughs) you know i mean
0: i mean by that definition we're on the deep web every day in the office
1: well then that's pretty cool i'm gonna put
0: that on my resume deep web uh (laughs) deep web explorer art (laughs) yeah i don't know it's it's an interesting topic but i think i think it's pretty broad I, i yeah, there's like, there's all sorts of ways that people do, um, amoral things, right? And for j- example, just, the
1: guy that deployed the uh, npm worm.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting topic. That's totally unrelated to any of this stuff. But yeah, yeah. I mean, do you want to talk about that?
1: I mean, uh, I was I was just getting the info from you earlier. Yeah. I so thought you could elaborate a bit on it.
0: The this this thing that happened uh, in the past couple of days here um, on NPM, which is the Node Package um, Manager. Uh, basically, anyone who develops in Node.js will be familiar with with NPM because they they host all sorts of repositories of useful uh, libraries. Um, so anyone who uses like React or any any web development framework will will have used NPM. Uh, so basically. Uh, yesterday, I think, um, someone uh, was able to compromise one of the ESLint dependencies. ESLint is uh, it's what's called a, a linter. It kind of checks your code for for like styling and bugs. Keeps it consistent across yeah. developers. Yeah. So ESLint is hugely popular. Um, it's got like millions of downloads. Um, and one of their dependencies was compromised, and they actually managed to upload this, this piece of code and what, what it was is a worm um, to that repository. So anyone who would have downloaded ESLint and that package over that time period from like yesterday night uh, would have been exposed to this worm. And uh, so if anyone's not familiar with the concept of a worm, what, what a worm is, is is a piece of malicious software that tries to clone itself onto as many systems and to as many locations as possible. So the concept behind this particular worm was that it would, um, once it arrived in your computer with this ESLint package, it would try to check and see if you had uh, credentials for deploying npm packages. So, say you were a developer on a different package, like um, like React as a package, or even a smaller one, like a like a very small utility package for dealing with some strange numbers. If you had permission in your npm, uh, like configuration to do anything, what this what this uh, worm would do is it would attempt to uh, upload itself to those repositories as well. And so very quickly, everyone who uses NPM repositories would be infected with the worm. Um, luckily, in this particular case, the developer made some kind of dumb JavaScript mistakes, <laughs> and uh, the worm failed. But it, it really seems to have uh, opened people's eyes to this issue.
1: Well, it's just like you, you take NPM as a uh, f- fully, everybody kind of trusts it. And I know like the time I've been working with Node Package Manager, I just kind of trusted it, right? Like, hey, I need this NPM install, right? Good to go. Not yeah. really thinking like, hey, you know, there could be something behind it.
0: What What's most interesting about this to me is that... Um... And this vulnerability has been known for a long time. So I've got an article here, which I'll, I'll share, that actually talks about this vulnerability from March 26, 2016. And at this time, the NPM project actually acknowledged that it exists. Like they they, they, they accepted that as it's, it's like a thing. Um, if anyone actually is interested in how it works, basically um, the, this worm takes advantage of the post-install in t- scripts. That happen after a package is installed, um, uh, because they're not locked down, and you can do pretty much anything you want on the user's machine with a post install script, and uh, it's kind of it's not like a it's not like a bug in the traditional sense. It's, a, it's like a choice uh, that they made developing this software, and it's created this vulnerability. Um, but it, it is interesting because the npm project is like a closed source corporation, right? And tons of people trust them for their open source projects, but they don't seem to value security as highly as like extensibility. Like getting it to as many people as possible and reducing barriers seems to be more important to them than building a secure piece of software. Um, which, like, I think is something you have to be aware of when you're choosing a package manager. Um, just like trusting where you're getting the sources from is is pretty important because this could happen to, like. Any package,
1: right? But I mean, what are you going to check into every single package you install? You know what I mean? It's a uh, seems like a hassle. I feel like uh, people are going to be more oblivious to it than anything.
0: I mean, the average npm user installs five hundred packages a week. A week. A week. Okay. So is- you're not going to look. There's no way. Yeah, no, it's not going to happen, No. So the question then becomes, who do you put the responsibility on for ensuring that these packages are secure? You know what I mean? I mean, I guess... Do you put it on NPM, so then you're you're solely allowing one company to censor packages? That sounds a little bit suspicious. Um, Do you put it on the package owners as it is right now? Um, I mean, that works, but then you're trusting open source developers who don't have to do anything to prove their credentials in order to to publish packages right
1: some sort of middle ground but i don't know yeah
0: like do we need some kind of oversight body to do this like that sounds expensive i don't know it's an interesting question um i'll be, I'll be interested to see if this this event has any kind of repercussions in the long term or if if everyone just kind of carries on like business as usual
1: mm-hmm.
0: how long have we been going for now 33 minutes
1: i mean uh that's not bad.
0: Not bad. Do we have any more interesting ones? Anything else pressing?
1: Nothing too much. I mean, uh, the Coinbase thing, it just happened today with all the, you know, announcing that they're yeah, going to look that was, at that's some That's actually very things. interesting. Yeah. And uh, so that just happened today. Um, that, that's all I got for now. I mean, I'm sure things will come up in the next week. No, I'm curious to see if we're going to move a little more bearish or maybe if we'll go a little more bullish in terms of uh, market sentiment. But other than
0: that... Yeah, it should be interesting to watch.
1: No, definitely.
0: Yeah. Hey, are you excited for the uh, the final of the World Cup this weekend?
1: <laughs> not
0: particularly. France and Croatia? Not <laughs> not your picks?
1: They're, it's not that they're not my picks, man. I'm just not a big soccer guy, you know, but maybe I should get into it.
0: Oh, it's fun, you know, it's uh, for uh, for a month every four years, get into the <laughs> World Cup.
1: Maybe I should take a little more interest day.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny, it's cultural. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What else is going on this weekend? Uh, you know Rock the Shores is in Victoria, the music I festival heard, this weekend?
1: I heard, I heard, I actually wanted to go to that, but you know, Yeah. I'm going to visit my girlfriend's family and stuff instead
0: so you'll be out of town
1: yeah i'll be out of town and it's, it's all good you know but uh maybe next year i'll hit up rock the shores is it, is it like big big names or kind of like more local things or? um
0: they've, they've got a few big names um do you know the ex-ambassadors <laughs> nope no they're, they're pretty successful they've got some they've got some biggest names it's a pretty it's a pretty legitimate festival
1: yeah i'm actually just gonna take a look here Let's see what they what they got happening Brian. Brian Wilson. Uh, sheepdogs.
0: Sheepdogs. Oh, they always have the sheepdogs. That's cool.
1: Badoon Sound Clash. Uh, I know they have a couple good songs. Seems all right. Oh, Kaitami, Have you ever heard of Kaitami? No. She's like a electronic violinist kind of like mix. It's actually really interesting. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah.
0: I don't know. Maybe I should go. I was thinking I might go off to Tafina or something this weekend, though. Oh, are you a surfer? No. (laughs) I actually want to learn. Uh, Yeah, one of my friends offered to teach me, so maybe I should, but...
1: Yeah, well, uh, maybe later in the summer we can go together and uh, we can embarrass ourselves because I don't know (laughs) how to surf either.
0: Yeah. Uh, Okay. Oh, when's our next meetup going to be?
1: July 25th, I think I said it.
0: July 25th. Okay, that's cool yeah hopefully we, uh, we have a better a bit of a better plan this time right it's a little bit more a little bit more organized
1: a little more structured um i'm going to create a document there that kind of outlines the topics and the flow of the meetup and uh you know I'm, I'm breaking it into two sections two hours for the first hour have kind of a bitcoin blockchain 101 really get into the like the nitty gritty of what blockchain is all about how bitcoin came to be uh and then for the second hour gonna have a discussion about the more complex ethereum blockchain and uh have a proper demo setup of travel key
0: yeah really get into some things yeah yeah that should be interesting last time i kind of felt that there was a pretty big distance between the people who are more technical and less technical yeah like there's a big gap for sure so definitely uh, splitting it up a little bit so that we can be a little bit more like welcoming to those people is probably a good choice definitely yeah like
1: you know some. People could come for both or either
0: or, right? And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure good. that people people have questions about things that we could answer. So
1: definitely, you know, and also in the meetup group there, I uh, put um, put an open for suggestions, right?
0: Yeah, for uh, for anyone who doesn't know, we're uh, we're developing DApps here for for Membrane Labs. So we're we're actually doing a lot of development on the Ethereum uh, protocol, working with uh, with smart contracts and and regular web development stuff so um i guess that we have we have lots of insight into some of the realities of working with the with the software the way it is right now so
1: yeah i hear uh i hear a lot of uh complaints definitely On <laughs> um, from david they're working with solidity and whatnot right so uh yeah. i haven't really dove into that portion yet but uh, i hope to at least scratch the surface and get my hands dirty a little bit there.
0: Yeah, there's lots to talk about in that in that sphere of uh, of distributed applications. So I think that that, that should be an interesting meetup.
1: Definitely. Uh, so what? Uh, it's 4, 4.30 now.
0: 4.30, you ready to get out of here?
1: Yeah, I got to start getting out of here.
0: All right, well, let's wrap it up then. I will get this uh, cleaned up and posted.
1: Definitely. Uh, do we have an actual, I guess, place to post this where people are going to hear it, not just
0: SoundCloud? Uh, I mean, we probably should, uh, find somewhere that's a little bit more official. Yeah. 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 I'll I'll figure that one out.
1: All right. Yeah. Leave that to you.
0: All right. (laughs) All right. All right. Good chat, man.
1: Yeah. Always. See ya.
0: Yeah. See you when you're back. Uh, what? End of next week?
1: That's right. All right.
0: All right.